Okay, Jude's recovered. We're ready. We're ready. We've got an annoying. So today we're going to talk to you a little bit about marriage. And uh, we, are, we, we are not experts. What we are is we've lived a long, long time. That's all we've done, right? And we've made every mistake. So all we're doing this is we're not saying do exactly as we do. We're going to be the before. You guys are going to be the after, okay? So let's start it off with a, with a quick joke. The guy walks into the bank, right? He's got a gun and he clubs the holder. And while he's robbing the bank, his mask falls down. And he says to the teller, he said, uh, my ma- when my mask left, did you see my face? And she said, well, yeah, I'm standing right here. He goes, blam! And he turns to the guy next in line and says, when my mask slipped down, did you see my face? And he said, well, I'm right here. He goes, blam! And he turns to the next guy in line and he says, did you see my face when my mask fell down? And he says, I did not. My wife did, but I didn't. <laughs> You don't want that kind of marriage. We don't want that kind of marriage. We're here to save you today from that. (laughs) We do not want that kind of marriage. So uh, put that picture up. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, Mandy, can I have a picture? So believe it or not, uh, Norm and I. Not that one. uh, (laughs) Norm and I went to school together, first through sixth grade, at a Catholic school, and because. You had to do everything and line up just the right way. If it's Oberlin and O'Leary, we spent a lot of time together, sitting next to each other all the way through every move we did. And I guarantee you right now, there is a number of nuns that are turning over in their grave <laughs> over the simple fact that Noah Oberlin is the pastor of this church and John O'Leary speaking <laughs> in the pulpit. They would not believe it. And it just tells you God has a sense of humor. There's no question about it. I was telling Jude's I was going to start telling stories about Norm, and then she said, you know, he's got the pulpit the other 51 weeks of the year. Are you sure you want to do that? And so I, I think I'm going to pass on that, but we, uh, we spent first through sixth grade, and then we didn't see each other for 45 years until I walked into this church. So it's kind of amazing. Don't tell me God doesn't have a sense of humor. He does. Okay. Okay, so John and I, we got married in 1995, and I, we were neither one born again when we got married. We were both Catholic, though, and um, I had three children, and um, John showed me a life I didn't know existed. Life was good, and uh, we have... Uh, Three kids, like I told you. Three, they're all married. And we have six grandkids. And we both turned 60 last month. And we're, we're living the dream. So that's our history. <laughs> Who wants to have an extraordinary marriage? Soaked in God's favor. Dripping with the blessings of God. Honey, dripping off of your marriage, your family, your home. Well, John and I, there's a special grace on us, and we're here to impart it to you today. And you know, in the end, we're going to pray for you when this is over. And you might not hear the most eloquent prayer, because we're, we're not really in the ministry, but we have an anointing, and we're packing, and it's going to come on you. Not one of you are going to leave without it. Even the single people 
Who's single here and wants a, to be married? <laughs> Some hands went down. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to give you a little um, a tip of how to get your spouse quicker. Start praying for him now like you already know him. So say I didn't know John yet, and I'd, be, I'd say my prayers at night, and I'd say, Lord, thank you for my husband. I pray for his heart, Lord, that you prepare it so that when we meet, it'll be for your glory. Lord, give my husband a good day today. Bless the work of his hands, Lord, and untangle him from anyone that he's tied up with that he, sh that, that he shouldn't be with because you've already set him apart from me. Thank you for my husband, Lord. I thank you. See, every day. Lord, I, pr I pray that you would lay it on my husband's heart to pray for me, too, even though we haven't met yet. Just, make, just keep talking to God about him like it's, you already know him. And when you meet... You know, I would say one other thing, too. I, I, you, you, if you want that, you need seed in the ground. Yep. If we want an anointing today up on this pulpit, we need seed in the ground. So if you're looking for it, find a marriage that you like and put seed in that ground. That's true. Plant into them. Do something for them. If it's not money, it's a gift. Do something, but plan into it and call, say, Father, that's the marriage I'm looking for. That's what I want. Our, our daughter, uh, our, our, before we had any grandchildren, our daughter announced that she can't get pregnant. And it was a very upsetting time for all of us, but for her and all that jazz. So Judy's reaction is she started going out and finding everyone she knew that was pregnant and started putting gifts and giving gifts and giving gifts. And we've got all these gifts in our basement, and we're giving the presents to people I've never even met. But she's planting seed in all these girls that are pregnant. And lo and behold, a year later, Amber's pregnant. And now we're down the road, and with our three kids, we're about to have our sixth grandchild. Isn't that amazing? Because all she did was she started putting seed in the ground mm -hmm. and calling for a harvest. And the harvest was we wanted grandchildren. That's so I'd true. say the same that thing about happen. your marriage, right? Yeah. You know, I was reading in the Bible and it said that it's the mystery of marriage, two becoming one. And I was talking to God. I said, but God, we're not really one. And he said, this is the mystery. The two of you are writing one autobiography from the female and the male perspective. I love that. It's like it's one shared life. And it's beautiful. So we have a Genesis 2.25 marriage, John and I. The man and the woman were naked and they felt no shame. And that's how God wanted us to be. That's how it was for Adam and Eve in the garden. They walked with God and with each other. They felt no shame. And then when they sinned, they noticed that they were naked and they put fig leaves on to cover themselves. And that, they didn't just cover themselves to hide from God. They covered to hide from each other, too. Because now Eve is saying, I can't trust him. He was supposed to be the authority in my covering, and he let me influence him for the wrong. And then Adam was saying, I can't trust Eve now. She's a wild card and a bad influence on me. And before they did that, they had perfect communion with each other and God. And you know, Jesus came to restore that. So we have that ability again to have perfect communion with each other and with God, just like Adam and Eve in the garden. So, but what happens to us, especially those of us that get older, is we start heading down a path and we slowly have things happen to us that we we're not even paying attention to. We start getting offenses and we start 
doing things to each other in a marriage that we don't even see that we're doing, okay? So we wanna talk a little bit about that for a second. So yeah. this is where we start and we wanna get away from this, but I think it's a, what are, some of, what are some of the things that come on our life? Oh yeah, so we have a little, oh here. So sometimes when we're in a bad mood, we take it out on our spouse and we just can't deal, so we neglect them. We look at our phone or our computer, or we make our friends or something else more important than our spouse. And then um, injury from criticism and unkind words. You make them feel small. Insults. Abuse, physical or emotional. You know, a man's strength is to protect, not injure. And guilt, secrets we keep, things we're doing or not doing. And before you know it, you're not naked anymore. And men, we tend to, uh, we get worried about betrayal. We get worried that our wives are talking to other people, yeah. that maybe they're not just talking to us, they're sharing things in our marriage. We worry about fear, fear that we're, maybe we're not good enough fear of what's coming up in the, in the near future as far as what's happening with all the things going in, on in, the, in our lives, selfishness. We think of ourselves first and foremost before we think of anybody else. Pride, really tough with men, right? We never want to say we're wrong. We never want to say we're sorry. We never want to do that. And then the one that really gets me is grudges. And we all do this. We hang on. We've got grudges, and we won't let them go, even when somebody's apologized. So now, here we are down the road, and this is what we look like. We started off naked. And we're carrying all this with us now. And we've put all this on, and now, how is that supposed to look attractive to me? And how does this look attractive to her? Because we've heaped all these offenses on each other, slowly but surely, and then maybe somebody else comes by. How about if a girl walks by in a bikini? Man, does she look good. She doesn't carry all this. She doesn't carry all this mess. This looks really good. Sometimes right? the husband says, I don't know how to get all those clothes off my wife. I want to, but it's insurmountable. I may as well start over with a girl in a bikini. So all these offenses that we put on slowly but surely, all of a sudden we look like this. And what was the whole reason you married me, I honey? wanted to see her naked. <laughs> That's the whole reason I got married. I wanted to see her naked in the first place and look at what we've done. So what we want to talk about is how do we get away from this? How do we put this down? How do we, when we start putting on clothes, how do we stop? And how do we not do this? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, remember the book of Esther? All the girls went before the king, and, and Cheryl Salem taught this, and she said they adorned themselves with so many things that the king couldn't even see them. But then when it was Esther's turn, she said, I want nothing to hide me from my king. And when I was a baby Christian, I heard something that was so astounding to me. I heard that I'm the bride of Christ. I'm going to marry Jesus? That's what it means. 
So I went into prayer. I said, Jesus, is this true? That you're going to marry me? And he said, yes, but first, I want to teach you how to honor and respect your earthly husband, John. Because he said, you know, Judy, you're only going to be able to honor and respect me as much as you do John. And he said, this marriage that I put you in is your apprenticeship. He said, you're learning how to be a worthy bride. We forget all these wonderful traits why we married somebody. All the wonderful things, and, and especially those of us that are older, you, you need to think back and say, why did I marry them in the first place? All these wonderful things, because after a while, you want to change them to you. And that's no good. I don't want her to be like me. I've already got that. I want, I want to remember all the wonderful things of why I married her in the first place. My job isn't to change her or to correct her. My only job is to celebrate her. That's all I've got to do. I've just got to celebrate her. And every time I don't do that, I'm, I'm bothering God. I'm hurting his heart. All I'm supposed to do is celebrate her. And all the differences and all the quirky little things that she does that I don't what, do. What quirky things? <laughs> <laughs> that's all these pages, the quirky things. <laughs> all those things, that's, what, that's why I married her. That's why I love her. And so I don't want to change her to do things my way. I want her to keep her just the way it is and remind myself, keep celebrating that. Yeah, and I came out of the world, and my first time around didn't work. And so I didn't really want to be one again. It hurt. And so I was very independent, even though we were married. And the Lord, he taught me how to um, be vulnerable with John and not be independent and lay down my agenda. And slowly, we started becoming one. And he said, when, you, when your husband comes home, I want you to lay down your agenda and sit at his feet and just be with him. So even to this day, we're always in the same room of the house when we're home. I don't do my own thing in another room. I don't go to bed before him. I don't go in another room to watch TV. We are together. Because how can you become one if you're apart? It, it is a process. So there's all kinds of little, little things that we do, and like, like any good habits, it's, or any, anybody that does anything well has a bunch of little habits that yeah. got them there. Whether That's it's true. a sports guy, whether it's a basketball player, a football player, <laughs> all the fundamentals that they do all lead up to being a really good player. And then this is no different. So. We have a lot of little fundamental things that we do that in and of themselves are silly and don't mean much. But when you start adding them all up, they mean something. So, for example, we don't have a TV in our bedroom. Now, that's just, I'm not telling you that's a prescription for you. I'm just telling you that's what we do. We don't have a, our bedroom is a, is a sacred place for us. Mm -hmm. It's about you and me. So we don't have a TV in our bedroom. Judy used to make me it used to make me started by saying you can't leave this house or come back without kissing me and that was the little rule well that was fine but there was times where I would be in the car in the driveway and all of a sudden she's standing at the door and I would go really I gotta get out of the car and I gotta walk back up there and kiss you are you serious and I can remember early on how that just used to irritate me and I would just make the biggest deal like oh my god just let it go but every time, Don't she would go. stand there. If you let it go, it'll be gone. 
And so that little thing came into place. I look back now and say she was brilliant. We never leave the house without kissing each other. We never walk into the house without kissing each other. And that's what I would call one of those tiny little fundamental things. And there's a number of them that all lead up to staying connected, not getting these clothes on ourselves. How about if you're mad when you leave? Sometimes so, he leaves mad. One time he got out of the neighborhood. I called him, I said, oh, we're doing this now. Get back here. Doesn't matter if you're mad, I get a kiss. So I hang up the phone and I'm still driving the way, in the, pointed in the direction I was originally pointed in. And I keep thinking, I'm going, whatever this argument is, it's gonna be six times worse if I don't go back. So I turn around and go back and you can't walk up and be mad to somebody and kiss them goodbye. You just have to start laughing, right? It's just a tiny little thing, but whatever that argument was, it ended like that. It usually is a little thing that you're arguing about. But, you know, um, we still do the things that we did when we first got married because I think that's the way that you keep the sizzle. You just don't let it go out. Don't let it. One way we do is we don't take each other for granted or get complacent with each other. We always go to bed together at the same time. Because if you were having a sleepover with your best friend, wouldn't you go to bed at the same time? That's what my kids always do when they had sleepovers. You go to bed together. And we have no TV in our room, and we sleep like puppies draped all over each other all night. This is my pillow right here, even after all these years. Because you, you, you know what? It's us against the world. Him and I, we're writing one book. And um, I like being married. I like having someone to play with and someone to protect me. And, and another thing we do is we never let the sun go down on our anger because the Bible says not to. And this is just a little funny thing, but you know how sometimes you get in bed and you haven't had the best day together, but you're not really fighting, but you're just a little scratchy. So I wonder how mad is he really? <laughs> so I'll just take my toe and I'll touch it. <laughs> and if he pulls his leg away, I know we're not gonna have a good night. <laughs> Every night I say my prayers out loud. When I get in bed, I say, Dear God, to this day I still do this. Thank you for John in my life. Please bless him, Lord, and lead him in the way he should go. Well, this one day I was irritated with So when him. she says that, she does that every night. That's every night. That's one of those little fundamental yeah. deals that we do. This one night I was mad at him. But I say my prayers. It's what I do. So I said, Dear God, No comment. <laughs> <laughs> and then he. You said, have to laugh when she says, "Dear God, no comment." I just you gotta laugh. You gotta you gotta you gotta have a sense of humor about yourself. You just do. So that's our that's how we do it. Like I told you before, we're not here to preach you and read you a bunch of scripture. We're just telling you this is what works for us, and maybe you'll get some ideas. Um. If John's sitting at the table, I sit next to him. Even if I'm not interested in what he's watching, I sit there. And you know what's validating for me? I need a lot of eye contact. And so sometimes if John seems distant, if he's tied up, I'll make him look at me in the eyes. I'll say, are you in there? <laughs> and and I have to, you have to stay connected. It's so easy to drift away. It's so easy to get those clothes on.
Yeah. And this one is very important. Women need to feel protected. Do you know they did a study and 90% of women felt like their life was in danger every month. One time a month they feel like their life was in danger. And just about two weeks ago I got in my car in the parking lot of a shopping center and a man like appeared from nowhere and knocked on my window. It's just, it's, we're not as strong as men. We, it's nice knowing that your husband is there to protect you and watch over you. That's one of his, his anointings. And one time I was at the, um, I was with John and my daughter Amber. She lived in South Carolina at the time. She was a teacher and she was flying in to meet me in Florida. We were all going to Florida together. So she came from South Carolina and we came from Michigan and we landed in Tampa and we hadn't seen each other in a couple months. And we were talking a mile a minute going toward the tram to take us to baggage claim. And John was a little ways behind us talking to his secretary on his cell phone. And um, we were talking and we got up to the doors and as soon as we got up to him, you know, the tram, they come like every two minutes. Well, the door shut. No big deal. We're talking. All of a sudden, a guy takes me and he spins me around. And he said, you made me miss the tram. I said, what? And then John, he thought I was alone. He thought I didn't have any protection, that he could bully me. And John, big dog, that's what I call him, big dog. Big dog said, I'll call you back. And he ran over to the guy, and he grabbed him by the shoulder and spun him around. He said, hey, that's my wife. You can't talk that way to her. And he said, well, she made me miss the tram. And John said, oh, boo-hoo. Did that ruin your day? And then the guy said something else. I don't even know what, because a crowd was gathering. <laughs> and John took off his backpack. <laughs> and the guy slunk away. And I was like, oh, dear. <laughs> oh, my goodness. My hero. <laughs> Thank God he slunk away. Right. <laughs> that, one, that one still carries me. So, so we have to have each other's back. You know, I'd never seen that side of John. I was so titillated. We, we need to protect one another. Um, our kids, my, uh, you know, growing up, it's our job, especially those of you that have teenagers, you guys got to stand together, and it's your job to protect your spouse with your teenagers. Stand up for them. Back, if you guys don't agree, go in the bedroom and disagree and figure it out, but when you're standing in front of them, you guys are one. Yeah. I have my adult daughter, who's married. Uh, we went on vacation together, and during it, she decides that she gets into it with her mother, and they get into a little spat, and she's extremely disrespectful. And I hear about it on my return. And she says all these things because she's grown up and she thinks she has the right to say that. Okay? So I went in to talk to her and I explained to her that I'm really sorry and disappointed that you don't have more respect for your mother than to talk to her like that. And it's a biblical principle to honor the parents and all that, but obviously that's all missed you. So let's forget that right now. And we're going to talk about something else. That's my wife you're talking to. So if you don't respect her as your mother, you're going to respect her as my wife. Because I'm not going to let people talk to my wife in that manner. So 
if you choose to do that with her, I'm going to go down and talk to your husband in the exact same manner that you just talked to my wife. How would you like that? And she's kind of hemming and hawing. And I said, I'll go down with JD right now and I'll have it out with him. And I'll speak to him in the exact same tone you talked to my wife. Well, that had an impact on her. Because if you're not going to respect her as your mother, then you're, then you're going to respect her as my wife. Because it's my job and it's our job to support one another and protect each other. Um, He's big dog. That's what we call him, big dog. <laughs> so about a year ago, we're, we're, we're driving to church and we're on the way in there. I made some comment and corrected her in some manner. He hurt, he, he hurt my feelings. <laughs> and I did. And it was really stupid. And so, and she's upset, and, I, and I, 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 I crushed her. I took a flower and I stepped on it. I crushed her, right? And so she's walking into church mad, and I'm kind of, you know, full of myself. And the Holy Spirit speaks to me and says, remember that little speech I gave you for your daughter? The whole, that holds true for you, too, because that's my daughter. And you're speaking to my daughter in that manner. I pity the fool. <laughs> And he, and, he, and he said to me, I want you to remember these words and I want you to write them down and I never forgot them, okay? My wife is beautiful. Remind her of that every day. My wife is smart. Learn from her. My wife is joyful. Do not steal it from her. Hmm. So the same thing that I talked to my daughter got thrown back at me and was absolutely right, right? So protect one another. Protect each other. Oh, praying. This is a great one. This is another one of our things. You need to be a praying spouse. You've got to be a praying spouse. What a, what a wonderful thing it is to have a praying spouse. I have a, uh, it's easy for me in my job and in, in what I do to get beat down all day by the world and walk in and whine and moan and tell you all the things that go wrong with my life. And to have a praying spouse that's behind you and supporting you in that manner, it's, it's unbelievable. So we have a I'm working on a big contract, and we work on it for a year and a half. And there's, I'm in the paint business, and there's several, we manufacture paint, and there's several people bidding on it, several companies. They're all big. And it finally gets narrowed down to two companies, us and another big company. I won't tell you who it is. <coughs> sure, sure <laughs> Anyway, year and a half, year and a half. It gets boiled down to, and it's a big contract with the state of Michigan, and they go to let the contract, and we don't get it. And I, the, I was devastated. I was sure we were going to get it. I was so excited. We had done all this work, year and a half. And on top of that, we had also, we had also given some give, big gifts. I had planted seed in the ground for this harvest, and we didn't get it. Come home, I'm whining, I'm moaning, and I'm talking about the world. And she says, you don't know, you serve a big God. You serve a very big God. I said, yeah, I, I, know, I know I do, but this one is over. They've, the state of Michigan has let the contract. They have it. It's a seven-year contract. We're out. Well, yeah, but you don't know. No, 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 no. I do know. I know because this is how it works. So for the next seven years, we don't have a chance. And she said, yes, but when you serve a big God, you don't. And I go, no. He has a million ways to get you that contract. So this goes on for about seven days where I argue, I walk around, I moan, I whine, and oh, how Oh, this giving thing really works. I gave that big giant offering, 
that made me fall out of my chair for nothing. Said all the stupid things a husband can say. Every one of them. I Do you notice whenever a girl talks about how her husband talks, she uses a really stupid <laughs> voice so for I, nothing. So I said every stupid thing in the world. Day seven. State of Michigan calls our office, gets me on the phone and says, we think that they have not been completely honest in how they've bid this thing, and we think that they've put some things in the contract that aren't it. And the long and the short of it is, is if you'd still like this and you'll honor your price, we're going to switch to you guys. Wow. It was the biggest contract they'd ever gotten. God reached so far into that fire and pulled out the wind, and he did it in a way so I'd know I had nothing to do with it. It had to be him. There's no other way that something like that could happen. And so I get off the phone, I'm all excited, and I go, I gotta call Jude's. And I think, oh crap, I gotta call Jude's, <laughs> right? So I go home and I tell her, you won't believe what happened today. And she's sitting here like this with her nails. Uh-huh, what? You know, and I said, well, they called and we're gonna get the contract and Sherman Williams not gonna get that contract. And she goes, uh-huh, uh-huh. I mean, not even anything. And, and, and you're surprised why? That's the kind of reaction. But thank God I had a praying spouse. It's my Somebody big dog. that had my back. My big dog. John has a lot of nicknames. Big dog, J-Rock. She puts it on her phone. So, that, so when, it, when I call, it says big dog. Well, our little girl, our little granddaughter sees it, so that's what she's calling me now. So she's this big and calls me big dog. And I'm not exactly a big dog, but anyway. <laughs> You're my big dog. So the next thing we want to tell you is get your family out of your marriage. You know, John had trouble separating from his family because he comes from a really strong Catholic family, and he, his parents are awesome. And, and um, they had seven kids, and they were super close. And, and, and they talked a lot about the memories were all from before I knew them. And Irish people love to tell stories, and they, I wasn't in any of them. <laughs> but that part was okay, but he was just too close to them. He, he went with his mom to redecorate our house and things like that, that, that I didn't feel like it was, I felt like there were more than two of us in the marriage. And so um, the first seven years of our marriage, we never really became one because there were more than two. But John That's got true. the revelation. You know who he got it from? Harry Salem. He got the revelation. He went to his parents and he said, things have to change. And you know, it changed that day. It never happened again. And so I prayed a lot about that. I didn't bug John about it. He didn't know how it was tearing my heart up. I didn't feel covered. I didn't feel loved. And I didn't feel like he was committed to me because he was still committed in his old life. And in that one day when he got his family out, all of that changed. And, and it was a beautiful thing because I just kept loving him and loving on him and loving on his family and talking to God about it. And we and have then, a great relationship with my family. Yeah, the, yeah, but we, the difference is, is that this comes first and second and third. Then that comes. It's not that and they were intrusive. That. It's just he was still too connected to them because they were great. But it doesn't matter if they're great or if they're chaotic, if they don't belong. You know, when my son got married, 
I tried to tell him something about a, a certain dentistry procedure, and his wife said, that's for Mikey to decide. And, and I said, I know, but I just want him to be informed. So I wanted, I wanted him to read this article. And she said, no, you don't want him to be informed. You want him to do it your way. And I said, hmm, you better back off. <laughs> And she said, no, no, you're the one who has to back off. And I hung up and I was like, oh my goodness, my daughter-in-law is rebellious. And the Lord said, no, she was right. You have no authority to speak into their marriage anymore. And I cried. I didn't know. See, I was doing the same thing. But luckily, his wife knew and she nipped it in the bud right away. And we get along famously now. I know you can't tell your kids what to do. Once they get married, you know what the worst part of my daughter's marriage was? It, was, it still makes me cry every time I go to a wedding. They're walking down the aisle with their dad. And they get down and the pastor says, who gives this daughter? And he says, her mother and I do. And they take the sweet little girl that you've been raising, they take her hand off of your husband and put it on this stupid boys. <laughs> That's a transfer of authority that just happened. They no longer belong to you. You can't, you don't have any authority over them from that point on. Man, that hit me hard. Because you know, it's hard to just let go in the blink of an eye like that. But if you want a happy marriage, you have to do it. The next thing is, for a great marriage, is the power of agreement. Nothing more powerful than the power of agreement. If two people can agree, it's just unbelievable what can be accomplished. And if you don't, a house divided will never, it's going to fall every time. So, the power of agreement. We talk about, there's a great line, submission isn't submission unless you disagree. Do you hear that? Submission isn't submission unless you disagree. So once there's a disagreement, now how are we going to get an agreement? It's not, a, it's not submission, that's agreement. Right? So the Bible says where there's strife, you will always find everything evil. So, my, so what, what I suggest is we need to lay some things down once in a while. Fast an argument. When you see one coming, fast it. You know what? I'm going to let that one go. I'm going to give that one up. I'm just not going to go there today. I'm going to fast an argument, and I'm going to lift it up to God. So in your marriage, try fasting an argument or two. The Bible says where there's strife, you'll find every evil thing. And it also says if you don't treat your wife right, your prayers won't be answered. Before John was born again, I got born again a little before him, and I used to throw that one at him all the time. That's where you better treat me right. Your <laughs> prayers aren't going to be answered, and I'm going to be still blessed because I have covenant. <laughs> One day in prayer, I said to God, God, why isn't my harvest coming in? Because we were sowing. Well, I was. He wasn't born again yet. And so I was sowing and sowing. And he said, well, Judy, your money is coming in, but it's getting caught up in thorns because of strife in the home. And uh, this is what happened. John and I went through a short season of strife because after we were married about a year and a half, I got born again. And... It's the only time since we've been together that we didn't prosper. And this is what happened. I got saved first, 
And I was always trying to pull John into the kingdom. Come on, John. Come on. And I was hitting him over the head with my Bible, you know, telling him, you got to get saved. You're a heathen. And, and it was making a separation between us. And you can't, you, you can't do that. That's, anyway, one day God said, Judy, he said, I want to hit John in the face with a pie. But you won't get out of his face, and I can't get a clear shot. <laughs> so I purposed in my heart. I said, Lord, how do I get out of his? And he said, learn to agree with him. But I said, he's a heathen. How am I supposed to agree with a heathen? And he said, agree with him. And you'll come under his covering, and then I'll be above. And so I said, I promise. I'll agree with John about everything. And I'll let you work on John from the inside. And then um, two days later, right out of the blue, John came home and he was in a bad mood. I don't know what happened that day. But he said, you know, you picked Mount Hope. I didn't. And I'm the man of the house. I'm going to pick a church and it's not going to be Mount Hope. And I just told God I would agree. So I said, that's fine, honey. You pray about it. And wherever you decide, I'll go. Well, then I ran into my prayer closet. <laughs> Not, it wasn't really my prayer closet. It was just my closet. <laughs> and I said, God, did you hear that? I said, bring on the pie. So then that Sunday, I didn't tell anyone that happened but God. We're sitting in church right about where my friend here is. Uh, and it's huge. It seats 3,000 people. Pastor Dave's preaching. He doesn't know us, really. We're, I'm a baby Christian. The church is huge. And all of a sudden, he stops preaching. Gets real quiet, and he's looking around. He shuts his Bible, and he gets off the stage. He walks right up to John, and he puts his arm around John, and he puts his Bible in John's lap. And he opens it and points to a scripture. And he said, hey, John, look at that scripture. Isn't it good? And John looked at Pastor Dave, and the whole church is watching. And he said, it is good. <laughs> and then Pastor Dave shut his Bible and came back up on the platform and kept teaching. And then John said, all day he kept saying, Pastor Dave is my friend. He's my friend. And he never talked about leaving again. And do you know what that pie was? It was a love pie. See, I was trying to hit him over the head. And John, God knew just what his heart needed. He needed love. And you know, this is what God told me. He said, I only had one job. He said, Judy, when I gave you John, you only had one job. One job. Love him. And look, it's an easy thing. Look at him. Meow. <laughs> <laughs> he said, love him. He promised me. He said, Judy, I promise you, if you do the loving, I'll do the changing. Amen. Well, John did get saved. And guess what happened? John didn't get saved, and then the strife left. The strife had to leave first. Because where there's strife... There's no Holy Spirit. So the strife had to leave first, and then John got 
born again and we slowly started becoming one and we started prospering again and we've never had another lean time. And that was 20, probably 23 years ago. So we learned a trick the hard way. There's a trick to staying out of strife. It's called agreement. Even if they're being idiots, just agree with them and then talk to God about it. Really powerful. And so it's, and it's easier said than done. Yeah. So we've developed true. Some, some little tricks along the way, and you can, we'll share them with you. You need to develop your own tricks, but there's all kinds of ways that we try to stay in agreement, stay out of strife. And we use them so much, we've begun to name them. Okay? So the first one's called the politician. And the politician is, it's real simple. You don't have to mean it. You just have to say it. Okay? Like any good politician, you don't have to mean it. You just have to say it. Okay? So let me give you an example of that. Hey, do you, uh, do I still look good in this muscle shirt? You look amazing in that muscle shirt. Okay. Come with me. You don't have to mean it. You just just have have to to say say it. it. All right? Do you think my friend Susie is cute? I do not think your friend Susie's cute. <laughs> Not at all. There is no way. You don't have, have to, to mean, mean it. it. You just have you to just say it. You just have to say it. Okay. Hey, um, how about, let's have my mom over for dinner tonight. I would love to have your mom over for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have, have to, to mean, mean it. it. You just, you just have, have, to, have say to say it. John, if I die, will you remarry? No, I would never. No, I would never <laughs> remarry if you died. You don't have to mean it. You, you just, just have, to, have say. to say it. Okay? So, so practice that one at thing. home. It goes a long way, right? Uh, the next one's the Academy Award. So this one's the Academy Award. It got ushered in with, uh, on the onset of menopause. So once menopause came, I got in trouble and I had no idea what I, no idea what I did wrong. I knew I did something wrong, but I don't have a clue what it was. And so it was going to take an Academy Award performance to get out of it. So generally speaking, it went something like this. Please, please forgive me. I'm so I'm horrible. I'm a horrible person. Jeez, let it go, please. Right? Okay. I have no idea what I did wrong, right? Right. Men- okay. Menopause is in the Bible. No, it's not, honey. Yeah. Menopause is never. Menopause I've is read the Bible. the Bible. Mary rode Joseph's ass all the way to Egypt. Menopause is in the Bible. That is not in the Bible. Yep. That is not in the Bible, yep. honey. Number three. This is a get out of jail card oh. free. We get to each get two get out of jail card frees. Got to let it go. You got to lay it down. So we can apply that get out of jail card. You can earn more get out of jail cards. And you can also lose them, right? Yep. So, give an example of that. Well, well, I don't think we should give that one. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get to the next one. <laughs> All right. Yeah. No. <laughs> Is it okay? Okay, so this one day we were laying in bed in the dark. And John took his hand, and he rubbed it down my body, and he said, is this the front or the back? Well, it wasn't the smartest (laughs) thing I've ever done, so I applied my get-out-of-jail card free because that was going to get ugly in a hurry. (laughs) Great way to apply a get-out-of-jail card, right? 
Okay, so as long as you got them in, you let it go, didn't you? Yeah. All right. Okay, the next one's called the Bill Gates. This is the one where words don't cut it. The wallet's going to come out. He's going to have to buy his way out of this one. I don't know about you guys, but I can be bought. So one morning I got up, I forgot to wash my face the night before, then I had mascara all down my eyes, and my hair was going every which way, because that's what curly hair does. And my loving husband looked at me and said, you look like a crackhead. <laughs> she looked at me and I realized, oh, okay, I'm in trouble on this one. Not the smartest thing I've ever done, all right? So, as she started to steam, I got out the wallet and said, okay, there's a number here. There's a number that can get me out of this. And I th I'll let you know. And I think that... Oh, hundreds. Yes, keep Okay, that's, that's more than... No, this is the second time you did it. Come on. That's, I'll take... No, that's more than reasonable. Come on. Mine. Come I on. forgive. <laughs> I forgive. All is well. Okay. So the, so the Bill Gates can work, all right? So all little ways. Now, in my self-defense, hey, Mandy, help me out. When somebody comes downstairs and looks like this, I mean, what am I supposed to do when somebody, I just said, you know, I just spoke what I saw there, right? You guys, so have you noticed a theme when we've been talking? A theme? This is the theme. Mandy still has it up there. Hey, Mandy, please take that down. <laughs> Lighten up. Amen. You know what? This is your person that God's given you to go through this joy ride together with. Enjoy the ride. My parents were married over 60 years, and all they did was bicker and fight. And I thought, you know, my dad died first, and I thought, well, maybe now my mom can enjoy her life, what's left of it. And as soon as my dad died, all my mom wanted was my dad. Where's Joe? Where's Joe? I want my husband. And she was miserable, and she stopped living, and she died within the year. And I thought to myself, what a legacy they left of a marriage over 60 years, but they didn't enjoy the ride. I want to enjoy the ride. Don't you? Let's pray for an anointing. Okay. So I want to do two things. I want to tell you... Um, I told you when John and I got married that he showed me a, a way of life that I didn't even know existed because when, when he found me, the only thing I brought into the marriage were three kids and a washer and dryer. <laughs> and all of a sudden, I'm living in the best neighborhood in town, going to Hawaii and driving sports cars, and he's treating me like a princess and loving my kids, and we became a family, and it, life was like a fairy tale. And but I said to this friend of mine one day, I said, it's a funny thing. I don't know what's wrong with me. I don't care if I live or die. I'm not depressed. I just don't care. And she said, well, I know what you need. You need to get you some Jesus. So she took me to Mount Hope Church. And when I got there, it was the night service, and um, people were free. They had their arms up just much like this church. And they were praising God, and Pastor Dave came out with a little bottle of oil. And he said, who wants a blessing? And people were running down, and he was touching them, and they were falling out. And all of a sudden, I got a revelation. I was dirty, and they were clean. I was a sinner, 
And I got terrified. And I said to my friend, I jumped up and I said, this is too much, Jesus. Get me out of here. And I started to run out. And she grabbed me and she said, you can't run out. He won't touch you. I was trembling. And then he started preaching and he said, even if you've been divorced, there's a second chance for you. God loves you. The blood of Jesus covers it. I had never heard that in the Catholic Church. I was told I could never have communion again my whole life. And here he's telling me I can have a second chance with God? And so I ran to the altar to get born again, and I never looked back. And this is the revelation I got from that. What good is it to gain the whole world and lose your soul in the process? So I can't, I can't step down off this platform without asking, who here is born again? Raise your hand for me. And, and who here isn't but wants to be? Is there anyone that wants this beautiful, loving God? Well, I just had to ask. And now I want you, if you want God's favor dripping on your marriage, whether you're single or married, come down here and we're going to pray a prayer over you. Father God, we thank you for all your children. You're watching over them. You have them under your wings like a mother hen with her little baby chicks. And all you want is to be a loving father to them. Father, I pray for the anointing of grace to be on this family, this church family. I pray for the anointing of a blessed marriage to be on them, Lord. I pray that any one of them that have put on clothes to defend themselves from the other person, that those clothes would begin to come off today. In Jesus' name, I pray for the grace to forgive, to wipe the slate clean together, and to have a fresh start, Lord God. I pray for the blessing of heaven on every marriage here, even the ones that haven't happened yet, Lord. And I pray for prosperity, peace, anointing, and blessing, laughter, and love, and restoration. Rest on every couple here. In Jesus' name, amen. And we pray for their memory. Remind them, Father. Remind them why they got married in the first place. Remind them of the blessing that they have next to them. Remind them to celebrate each other. Remind them because you put them together for a reason. Let them remember why and let them celebrate each other your name and any partation lord that's on us for prosperity or happiness or wealth or health i pray it to come on them now in jesus name amen amen thank you so much everybody